Javert! <laughs> I have to be really loud for that. Javert! Okay. Javert! Wow. Okay, let's well, split the difference. I'll go to 0.5. Ha ha ha! Javert! <laughs> okay, great. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode. Um, this is Brian Barricade, the lamest podcast. I'm Nemo Martin, your host. I use they, them pronouns and also secondary researcher. I don't really know what my job is anymore. I feel like I have become secondary researcher, even though I haven't really done an episode like that. Um, today's been an interesting day. I did wake up to a message, um... <laughs> from our friend Alexa who said um that she had a dream last night and I wanted to share it here because it made me laugh a lot um so she was in a dream and um it was Lemez and the part with the priest saying you forgot I gave these also would you leave the best behind and then he opened his robes to reveal big titties and let you (laughs) Valjean grope them (laughs) why was that not in the group chat (laughs) the bishop's <laughs> giant knuckles <laughs> so, um yeah i drew that and i sent that little uh risque uh tumblr ban inducing uh comic to her <laughs> for the low low price of 9.99 all of our listeners can <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to pay that and see. <laughs> well, there's literally nothing I can say as good as that. So, hi, I'm Stevie. She, they pronouns. Uh, primary researcher. Nemo's. If if nothing else, you are primary Googler. Mm-hmm. But you also. I guess you. You were like you were already doing so much reading around Lemus that it was like <laughs> I was secondary researcher, but you were here to be like, actually, here's the truth. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, your um, uh, what's the what's it called? Um, uh, peer reviewer. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, once again, I have not secondary read. Um, every day, every time I reopen this book, I'm like, why have I not looked up Voltaire? Come on, secondary researcher, why haven't you <laughs> looked up Voltaire either? Because he does not <laughs> stop coming up. Like, I don't know if this was always the case, or now that we've point, like we now that we've realized that Victor Hugo's like <laughs> Voltaire, like every other paragraph, that I'm like Hugo, like what is this? <laughs> it's excessive. It, I'm like, are you? pulling pigtails like do you do you like him do you not like him i can't i can't get a read but he's here again today um so i guess that's my thing i don't have anything as good as uh that, i'm just that quickly dream. googling the words victor hugo and voltaire oh there's no immediate no immediate jstor there's no immediate link between victor hugo and <laughs> i was in such anticipation <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this means I have to go get a PhD in Victor Hugo's relationship to Voltaire. I think that you should. I am excited for uh, you joining me in this PhD career. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need a master's first. A master's <laughs> in Voltaire, and then I can bring mm-hmm. them together. Yeah. I want to say of bringing things together, but... um. As we teased on the last episode, which ended like, let us explain who this Monsieur Marius was. Marius, for this whole book too, actually doesn't come up until once again, the final line. And actually even not even by name. So I had a moment where I was like, I was reading this whole book, like, Marius? (laughs) Pretty sure that it wasn't, this old man wasn't. Marius's future self, but just like I know that sh- surely this will become relevant. But who is this old man? It's my well. I was gonna say it's my favorite old man, but that's a lie. This book is full of old men that I love. <laughs> this old man. Uh, so this whole book is about an old man, um, Monsieur 
Gillenamont? How would you? How would、mm. you? Was that right? Yeah, that's about as good as I would do it. I think <laughs> Gillenamont. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. I don't know yeah, how the French do the double L. Really,、uh, I would put、it's、more Spanish a... flavor on it, but that's only because、yeah. I've done more Spanish than French. I feel like if I roll the L's, it'll be more Italian. Gillenormand pronunciation. Gillenormand. Oh, Les Monologues is the first、oh. one that comes up. That's、uh, Gillenormand. Gillenormand. So we kind of Gillenormand. Okay,、yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't know if I can keep that up. G is soft rather than because we were going G, but it's G. G. Gillenormand. 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 Killing a woman is the、uh, old man we're discussing today.、Um, this whole book is like about this guy, and it's just like the same way that we've been getting a lot about like this is what the gaming is. It's like this is who this old guy is.、Um, mm. He's basically a mixture of like. There's just so many choice lines. In this book, he's on the one hand. I'm like, oh my god, I love this guy. And then there's other bits where you're like,、mm, yes, you are a horrible old man, aren't you? But overall, a good time to read. Yeah, I think so. I actually thought it was a different old man. There are too many old men in this that it got confusing.、Um, but、uh, he is an exciting character to read because you're like, you little bastard child. <laughs> yeah, he feels like the natural. Old man progression of the little scamp that we've been learning about,、mm. but if he had money, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I think it would be. I feel like Gilles Normand is、um, like what Victor Hugo wishes that he could be. Like, oh my god, you know,、yeah. you know when you have that like old man who lives in your head who's just like old man yells at clouds, like. <laughs> If you could live、yeah. free of inhibition, that you could just say whatever bullshit you wanted to say. One thousand, like a hundred million bajillion percent. Like so, the way he like opens this out, where he's like,、um, "Oh, today there's like there's still some people who remember this old gent, Monsieur Gillemont, <laughs> and they speak kindly of him, and like." There's this whole setup around him and all the like people he knows and like how he fits into history, that I was like, I could have googled it any time, but I was like, now、nah, let's read it first, like get into the flow of it, then I'll decide if I'm googling this man. But I was like, is he real? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's he is a fake dude. Yeah. By the end, when I was like, okay, wait. I, <laughs> I, I, so halfway through, I was like, maybe this is Marius's granddad, great grand. Just granddad, granddad, granddad. Yeah. yeah. But then he was like, in some ways, so like fun that that didn't <laughs> feel plausible. Then by the end, was like, okay, that that is so. Yeah, sorry, spoilers. Um, but it is Marius's <laughs> granddad. But yeah, I really wasn't sure if he was a real man for a bit of it. <laughs> and when when it was when he was like, oh, here's some fun little things that this old man say, and they're outlandish. I was like. This is either Victor Hugo, like imagine if I said this, <laughs> or Victor Hugo has hunted down the real old man that Victor Hugo like wishes. <laughs>、um, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 basically, yeah, I think that he he created his little bourgeois OC、um, that he could、yeah. make to be his little cranky bastard boy. Yeah, because like I, I was like trying to vaguely remember what Marius's granddad was like more in the what little of the TV show I watched with you more、mm. than the movie, and I was like, he seemed really like not fun, <laughs> but he like ha- well, he's he's half fun, he's half absolutely piece of rubbish. The other half,、yeah. you're just like incredible. Yes, give me something to like enjoy looking at.、Um, he's described so he's a funny old stick, a man from another age, a real dyed in the wool and rather haughty bourgeois of the eighteenth century. And just like every description, like he's got, he wears the poodle haircut, which is when your hair is like long, and like kind of you, I think ideally curly,、mm. and then you like 
wrap it around your ear and pin it back so you've got the little King Charles Spaniel ears. Oh my god. <laughs> like even at the age of so the uh the cha- the first chapter title is ninety years old with thirty-two teeth. So even in his nineties, he's still got all his hair. Um, he's got all his teeth, his hair's not even white, it's grey, but it's like kind of still dark. It's not white yet, you guys. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. He dresses like a dandy of a very specific era of dandy. He's in like these mm. light wool coats and there's like a lot of buckles involved. He's so spry for his age. Like he's <laughs> old, but he's running up and down the stairs. He's like full of vim and vigor and like he's still mad like but it's so in one chapter it'll be like man about the town he like kind of characterizes himself as this like old lech that he's like oh i would still be getting with women but you know oh it's not that i'm too old it's that i don't have enough money anymore or if i wasn't <laughs> destitute um <laughs> then in another chapter will be like do not visit me after 5 p.m. I do not want to see people ideally ever, like not even the king, don't want to see anyone. So I don't know how those, I guess those two, he's ma- he's making it work for himself. He's making mm. those two different sounding vibes really work for him. <laughs> Me hitting 26 and being like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go and meet all my friends out in London uh also don't ever contact me i need a nap at nine <laughs> i need to go to i need to be in bed at 9 p.m <laughs> just imagining you nemo being like i would be an old lech but you know just too poor but just imagine <laughs> if i wasn't <laughs> uh, i yeah also, he has more teeth than me, so... Uh... Yeah, he's got them all, and we can't say that on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, also, I do find it interesting, like, that it is an interesting character choice that he has grey hair, because Victor very much, like, says the whole, um, if you have white hair, you've got that, like, Augustan um, intelligence, you know? You, you're, like, you have the sagacity, is that the way you say that? You're as sagacious you're an old man who has a lot of knowledge it's that very (laughs) classical kind of Mm. thing of like if you have white hair then you are an elder and you should be respected whereas um he doesn't want to be the kind of white-haired old man who's like oh intelligent and like um seen as an elder he still wants to be young and on the town and like seen as like not old i think that's a very Good job, Victor. Go on this one point. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. He like he would hate to be thought of as old, and which is why he like keeps this reputation. That I don't know if mm. anyone else buys, but like for himself, like so. I'm not gonna. I'm less gonna be going chapter by chapter because it's all just this book is just like a portrait of a man. Um, <laughs> but like, so he'll have he. He'll have like maids and servants, and he's like, "Forget your name. You're all called either from the the, the men are named after like the province they're from, the uh, women, he just names them all uh, Nicolette, um, and like mm. one of one of his many Nicolettes had been like fired for like six months. Was it even longer than that? Um, showed up with a baby." And was like, this is, mm. you did this. Um, and by that point, he was already 83. And everyone's like, clearly it can't be. And he's like, what? Like, it could be. You don't know. Like, how dare <laughs> you even say that here's all these other historical figures that they they were very old and they were still having children. How dare you? This child could be mine. So what? What's the matter? What of it? Um, <laughs> And then she comes back like another a year after with another child, and he's just like, and is like saying the same thing, like, "Oh, it's definitely his." So he's even older at that point, but he's like, just like loves this allegation so much, like mm. that. 
I am she, absolutely young enough to have fa- bastard father a bastard child. What are you talking about? Yeah, he was just like, "Thank you so much, lady, for like even <laughs> pretending that this could be mine." That he like ends up paying eighty francs a month for like each child. Oh my god! Just for like, just I don't know. He just like loves this so much, and he like actually like goes and checks up on these kids and visits them. He's like oh god. Such, such as like interesting character like I like I'm pretty sure that men can father children like at any age. So you're like yeah. So usually I would be like, well, if she's coming and saying that, then like maybe it's true. Um but his reaction of like such joy at the allegation mm-hmm. I think like kind of like is meant to be like Clearly, it's not his child, but this adds to his like I could be a Casanova still. Um, it's like all in good fun, and like that's not the case. Um, is there an age limit to male fertility? Tell me, live science. The world's oldest new dad was reported at the age of ninety-six. Oh, so it is possible. So, and this yeah. guy, he wishes it were possible for him. Um, mm. Although, apparently, though sperm production does usually keep up until a man's dying day, it's a misconception that biological clocks are only of concern to women. The effects of ageing on fertility have been studied far less in men than women, but research shows that both volume and quality of semen generally fall off as a man gets older. So, it would be rare, but, like, not impossible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is possible, but yeah, I think the what Hugo's getting at, instead of a like, of course it's not this upstanding push <laughs> of this man's child, is the like, it's absolutely, there's no way that these children are his. Mm. He hasn't interacted with them, like with this woman, in a time period that that mm. would make sense, but it's just like, yes, I am a, I could be a young sir about the town. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it would be really funny to see like Marius with his like um, uh, fake aunts and uncles who are all like uh, aunts and uncles is what they'd be right yeah, yeah it would grand- be yeah who are all like toddlers and he's like a twenty seven year old <laughs> man <laughs> yeah and also I feel like this is chalking another one up for Vic Dugo who's like yeah me young I could <laughs> oh definitely have father yeah. children. <laughs> Yeah, this guy is just like yeah, like moments like that where it's like, you know, he he's just like describes at some points just like so fun and that you're like oh like I'm sure as well. So this guy is like old money. If he mm-hmm. if he wanted something to go away, I'm sure he could pay for it to go away. But I was like, you know what? I'm flattered. I will just like pay for these children. And I feel like was I don't know. I feel like the um eighty francs a month. Is like fairly decent. Yeah, that's quite a lot of money, I would say. But then, like at the same time, so it'll be like he's like good natured, and he his favorite oath is "damned fiddle faddlers, fiddle faddle." Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like things like that. But then it'll be like, and of course he was a bigot, and you're like, oh, that's not so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> As with all old cranky men <laughs> yeah and he'll say like he'll say misogynistic things that are so like outlandish and silly that like it does make me laugh <laughs> <laughs> but he's like i'm really quite perceptive i can tell when a flea bites me which woman i got it from <laughs> <They're> like, <"What?"> <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's so realistic <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe that's <laughs> We do, we do get the like. I don't. I don't fully know what Hugo wants me to feel for this man. Maybe he wants me to feel these mixed feelings I have for him. Because um, then, yeah, he'll also be like, "Here's another." Victor Hugo says, "Here's another thing that this man says, not me. This man, he said it." Um, <laughs> that like the dancers at the opera are pink-skinned savages, and they don't eat men; they bleed them or. Um, Magicians that they are, transform them into oysters and swallow swallow them. The Caribbeans leave only the bones. The dancers leave only the shells. 
um, sort of he makes comparisons of like things that he perceives as like going on in like Asia and Africa. He's like, we've got miniature versions in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that is a very like old man racism. <laughs> 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 yeah the, mm. that was one of the the quotes that i have looked at before and i can't remember what in what context that i looked at it, at it looked at it with but yeah it um it's like one of those sections where it's like um i don't know whether you're supposed to um like as a reader when you read that are you supposed to be like oh this man is obviously being a bigot here because we put that in the same kind of thing as like you know the the outright misogyny but then again is is Hugo's reader supposed to read the whole like oh I can tell um what woman the flea came from as being misogynistic like are these things like like because we kind of laughed at it just then being like haha he's a bigoted old man but now I'm like wait a second like did Hugo write that to be like haha look at this man who like has a bit of a sense of humor or is he being specifically racist and misogynistic to be like look at this like old man who's from an older era because he is from an older era and marius does hate him so that's actually kind of interesting that he is both racist and misogynistic yeah like yeah he's very much set up like this is a man from another time and like he's so old Mm. especially i would say for this time period he's like held on um (laughs) that it is like he's like a relic from another time but then also at the same time he like mentions like oh someone who met him when he was 20 was like wow this is like a crazy person um which Mm -hmm. is like the word that hugo uses um Mm. well that hugo says this contemporary of the time so and that he's like a madcap and so it's like who is this man <laughs> that mm-hmm. he's from another time but even in his own time was like uh not your standard bourgeois man um mm. or like it says bourgeois but then so then he he also is like looks down on the bourgeois quite a lot so i'm like are you upper class <laughs> <laughs> and he was under threat during the terror. He's like, he's got like, quite huh. a, he j- his personality, he's just like got such a funny way about things. This character is like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I had to pull all the things I had to do to escape the terror. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, mm. I wonder if he is a bourgeois who's pretending to be aristocratic, you know, in that kind of way where you where a lot of middle-class people will sort of in that aspiration for upper-classness will be like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 no, I'm definitely upper-class. And especially with his like living beyond his means kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or whether his, cause I can't remember where, whether it's his money or his wife's money. I don't think it's ever really mentioned. His wife is ever really mentioned. It's very much about him. Actually, I think most of the money actually is with his daughter um so not marius's mother but um, yeah, he marius's aunt. yeah and i think she also married no she never married so where did they get the money from i think i so, think correct me only um, <laughs> <laughs> because this is fresh i literally just read it um mm-hmm. it doesn't specifically say this is where the money came from but it does go into as part of one one of his funny beliefs and sayings that um <laughs> if you're a man who is passionately fond of a woman but you already have a wife who like you don't really care for and maybe she's ugly and bad-tempered and uh, entitled and jealous and um if he wants to like deal with that situation um then he should give his wife control of the purse strings. Then she keeps uh-huh. herself occupied and like she'll get really into like handling the cash and nurturing sharecroppers and training of tenant farmers and summoning lawyers and directing notaries and like doing all this like 
intense bookkeeping and work actually that he's like you'll she'll get so distracted by that that she'll be like you know what whatever you go have a mistress <laughs> because I'll ruin you <laughs> but he's like and that's the way to do it and that's what he did with his so he's been married twice mm. his uh second wife yeah his second wife he was basically like here you go um I will be fucking around elsewhere um Mm. And that she set the money up in such a way that when she passed away, um, she just moved the money around that he's only left with, like, um, I feel like it still sounds like a lot of income, but who knows what the full fortune was. Uh, an income of 50, 15,000 francs, three quarters of which would terminate when he dies. Um, mm. So whether the money came from him or her, he gave her control of the money mm. to be like here's your compensation I guess um, mm. but yeah he's not even like very bothered by like when he realizes like okay she <laughs> she spent money and moved it around and I can't get at most of it now um, but he's like I don't really care about legacy <laughs> mm -mm. which is so interesting when when it comes to what happens with Marius, <laughs> like the only reason that he has control over Marius is because he kind of like sets up this idea that he has all this money that he can give to the kid. So that's really frustrating, actually. <laughs> He's so mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I hadn't actually like thought it through that much, but he, I guess it is really interesting that he, he had this attitude where he was like I'm just gonna spend the money that I have and like if my wife takes all of that then that's fine as long as I can like you know basically YOLO like <laughs> um fuck around and find out <laughs> kind of thing and now yeah. he's like found out and he's like you know he's still got a lot of money but like just not as much as like he hmm, is quite like radical and sort of is it anti-capitalist? I'm not sure. Where does it sit on the like capitalist scale? Because he's not mm. like, you know, hoarding it for like his own gain. He's just spending it, but then also he's not like, you know, sharing it. So Yeah. Mm. Well, but then it's also like, oh, so he had a brother who mm. who like was for a time he was like a, a priest and outwardly was like, oh, I'm so charitable and giving, but only actually gave out, like, defunct money. <laughs> Whereas um, our um, Monsieur Guillaumont is like, ha, 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 don't even think about it, but apparently he's actually very charitable. Um, huh. He's like, so there's, because I, I only remember very little of what he was like in the TV series, um, mm. like I barely remember what he was like in the Lamers movie, but I remember him being like <laughs> saying to Baby Marius, like, so, "What was it like? Who's your father?" And he's like, "A bastard," <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that image yeah, was like, <laughs> yeah, the image of his character in this book is just like so not that. Like, obviously, we have these moments where of like. He says he's a bigot. Mm. And then, yeah, he gives us these strange little asides of, like, my theory that if as long as I give my wife my purse strings, it doesn't matter that she's ugly, etc. Because I can do what I like. And then his, mm. like, definitely, like, bigoted and, like, racist views. But he's, like, so colourful in a way that really surprised me. Mm. And that, yeah, that he's, like, mm. that it's, like, oh, he's so charitable um, these are all the things he's into, and uh, he, like, I don't even know if Victor Hugo knows how he feels about this guy. Like, maybe that'll be interesting getting to where, like, what you're alluding to that he is just like, I'm gonna play games with you, Marius, that are like gonna break your spirit for like no reason, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, because mm. he, yeah, because he, I guess he goes having him do things like that, but then he's spending all this time in this book just like, here's all the jokes this guy's, like, such a laugh. Um, he mm. would say things that were coarse, obscene, and scurrilous. I, I feel sure. scandalous. Um, with an air of ineffable composure and unconcern that was elegant. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like this is one of those cases where it's like he's not good or evil. He's just very selfish. And like yeah, if so. he has a good time, then that's all he cares about. He doesn't give a shit about literally anything else. He doesn't care about whether his words are gonna like come back to haunt him. He's like, I'm just gonna say what I think. And if you don't agree with me, then who the fuck cares? <laughs> um and like even the philanthropy kind of stuff, I feel like it kind of goes into the like um you know rich people keeping uh poor little artists as their like basically mm. pets to be like <laughs> yes I will fund your new opera as long as you entertain me dance for me monkey <laughs> like, yeah yeah that makes sense that it's not so much like you know philanthropy because he's like oh I genuinely care about the well-being of these poor people but to be like yeah if I put money here then like they're gonna dance for me <laughs> so yeah what does mm. it matter and it, it's like uh so his he had two daughters, uh, one with each wife, and so one of them passed away at 30 and she had married. I'm assuming that's Marius's mum. Yeah, because mm. the other one never married or had children. <laughs> so by process of elimination, <laughs> um, that's the only thing that can make sense. The surviving daughter, who is 50 when he's in his 90s, um, lives with him. That The way that he's like... Yeah, wife, do whatever with this money. I don't care. Um, you're like, are you purposely? And he's like, oh, I don't care about legacy. Are you purposely like spending money so nobody else can have it? I don't. Mm. But then he was so happy mm. for his wife to spend it on whatever. So that's not him wanting to spend the money. Well, but in a in a roundabout way, that was him spending the money on himself. It was so he could feel like, okay, if she's out the way, I can gallivant around and have affairs yeah that he kind of did use the money to pay for what he wanted yeah in a very expensive way <laughs> yeah I, I think like you know he knows that he's not going to reach the end of it by the end of his lifetime even as much as she takes from him and it's easier to have a wife who will accept that than than to like it's just a huge price tag for his life right <laughs> like yeah and he kind of gives the same responsibility to his remaining daughter as well, like um, that this this aunt, she also takes on that kind of role after his wives have died. Mm. So again, like the price of not having to deal with anyone's bullshit is to just yeah. pay them off. <laughs> yeah. He's like, maybe this is why we're like, oh, he's like not evil. There are massive mm. problems with this man. But at the same time that we're like, but there's all these things and like the way he's described is so colourful and like he's just like a fully realized character. Yeah. And I think we just love to see that from Victor Hugo where we're like, wow, there's like nuance here and he's just like a person because here are the things that were like, oh this is fun, and then other things that are like unacceptable old man. Mm. Yeah, I think, like, with Bishop Muriel, it's just, like, an interesting character with a lot of backstory, I guess, yeah. that you're like, oh, this character doesn't feel like a two-dimensional um, plot device. It's like, this has, well, it does kind of have a lot to do with what happens with Marius, but I guess you can read this in isolation and, and come away being like, I mean, we've already had a, like, 30-minute, basically, chat about him, um, even though he's mostly inconsequential to the plot of this story um, like, very hugo yeah exactly but you know yeah we love to see it we love to see someone who has some meat on his bones I guess. yeah i guess in that same way that like in charles dickens in um oliver twist mm. the character that in the end um I was like, what was the author called? I literally just said his name, Charles Dickens. <laughs> um, the Dickens ended up being the most drawn to was was Fagin because mm. he was the most actually fleshed out, fully formed character instead of just like, this is evil mm. or this is good. Like, mm. obviously he wasn't a good guy, um, but he'd put so much thought and work into him. That, whereas like a lot of his good characters and I'm not saying that Hugo does this like well he couldn't have more written about every character um, you know when it's like Dickens did 
with his good characters and like, and they were virtuous and good. And you're like, cool, mm. okay, give me like literally any personality trait. I'm gonna just one mm. of them. Um I mean, it's actually kind of interesting that um Bishop Muriel and Gilles are kind of two sides of the same coin in a similar way to Javert and Jean Valjean in that they both have a very similar kind of background Mm. Um, and the choices that they've made decided to do with their lives like they both come from money they both had wives um, and they both had experiences in the terror and what Jean like, and they were both selfish young men, right? And what Jean-Marc d- decided to do was, oh, my God. And, yeah, and so his <laughs> money goes to Marius and uh, Bishop's money goes to Cosette. So is technically yeah. Cosette's grandfather. Oh, my <laughs> we God. cracked it wide open. Oh, my God. Because no, Hugo actually does so at the end. Hugo is like, um, yeah, like, as you were saying, that his daughter kept house for the for the father that he's like, mm. Monsieur Guillemot had his daughter with him. As we have seen, Monsieur Bonvenu had his sister with him. Oh. These households consisting of an old man and an old maid are not unusual and always present that touching image of two frailties supporting each other. Um, that end bit, well, we can't pretend like he wasn't like, oh... To be cared for by your younger sister when you are blind. Oh, the love and devotion, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he's he's right here drawing a little parallel. And you, like, cracked that parallel so wide open. Like, as you were saying, I was like, oh, my God. And it says at the end of the chapter, like, it was, oh he- it was here the whole time. <laughs> I, I've never seen that um, link made before. And I'm sure somebody has made it, you know, many, many times. But... That has changed my... PhD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck race and gender. <laughs> I want to talk about these old men. Um, these old white men of money. The men get older each time you're like, so it's all about Jean Valjean and Javert. <laughs> like, now it's all about Monsieur Madeline. Not Monsieur Madeline. Muriel. Muriel. Bonvenu and... They yeah. could have known each other. They're both fancy boys. They could have. They pro- maybe they did because they both were Parisians of the same age, right? So, like. In the same class. Yeah. Oh, they probably that have was... the same mistress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> their wives probably knew each other, probably hung out. Like, their money has mingled before. That's and that's see. not all. Hey, hey, yeah, fuck this. So basically, in our play, which is about um, uh, Bishop Muriel and you know the moonlight on his face and stuff, it's actually about Bishop Muriel, Jean fucking. <laughs> but it's like the re- is it the redemption of Monsieur Guillemot that maybe it's Muriel's like hey here's some like edges of yours that we need to smoothen out mm. but then Monsieur Guillemot is like bro you're allowed to like have a nice thing let's like mm. let's just like get you something nice let's do something a bit fun <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it from the like prequel side of you which is where mm. Jean is the like kind of nice, timid young man, and Bishop Muriel or Mister Muriel when he's younger is like the really Mr. like brash, Muriel. like is <laughs> the like brash, um, like man about town kind of thing, and he brings Jean to all these like hot up and coming clubs and stuff, and they obviously fuck, um, and. Jumand is very much like looking up to Muriel, but then when the terror comes, it's that kind of thing where Jumand is like, "Stay with me, please. Like we can run away to the countryside together and live forever." And Muriel's like, "No, I'm going to take my wife and I'm gonna go and become a uh, a priest." And Jumand, that's when he like gets really spiteful and he's like, "Well, fuck you. I'm gonna be the like." Um, man that you could never be and like he spends his entire life trying to live up to the 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 man that he thought that he could be uh and uh and also that's why he gives his money all that money 
what gives his wife all that money is because he's actually gay and she's a lesbian and they're bearding for each other and uh this is just the financial repercussions of that so um yeah <laughs> and the path that muriel knows he set Gionamond on to like mm-hmm. corrupting him and then turning him into what he is now, that's his like his actual greatest regret. Yeah. And he, he's up in his bishopries, like, oh my god, like thinking about it. And is yeah. it too late? That's his Yeah. That's his one regret. We can have both of our <laughs> yeah, Nemo because I was like assuming you'd want them to be old men in it. Yeah. So we yeah. have to at least have an act two. <laughs> yeah that's the intermission break yeah of course and then it comes to your side where it's yeah as you say um the 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 uh well you can let loose a bit well you should like calm down a bit and it's like yeah a mirror parallel of their Mm. previous lives (laughs) and only now that we're old and more like settled and less certain of like no this is the only way to be only now Mm. can they truly actually be together and understand each other. We've we've done it. <laughs> we've, <laughs> Once we've again, you're all welcome. We did it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only podcast that matters. <laughs> I, I feel like we've gotten so much better at reading Hugo, but <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, now because I. Before I had nothing. When a thing would happen, I didn't have anything I could like compare it to. But now I, I know you so well, Hugo. We've got our finger on your pulse. We know what you intend, and we know what you'd hate, and that's we're leaning into both. <laughs> In our um, whatever this is going to be called, title pending, it's going to be Volcom's got to be in there. Mm. But then. This guy's like he's called like Madcap a couple times. Mm. We'll find something. Do I just see stars? No. <laughs> Another thing he, he said: daytime is vulgar. I need that line to be in this play, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely a line that the bishop says, like right at the big, be- like in the beginning, right, and then mm. Gilmond like makes it his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well-bred people display their wit when the heavens display their stars. Star theme is <laughs> here again. <laughs> um, and we all we like, as I semi alluded to, I'm just gonna like shoehorn him in here. Uh, Voltaire has to come up because he mm. features uh, several times in here. And this is why I'm like, Hugo, how do you feel about Voltaire? Because the first one we have is when he's like giving us the first bit of description of uh, Guillaume Normand. Um, mm. And like how he's like, haha, I would still have affairs if I had the money for it. Hee <laughs> um, <laughs> hee. But he's, Hugo's like, as you can see he was not of that delicate variety who like monsieur de la voltaire has been dying all his life wow <laughs> wow it was like voltaire <laughs> are you alive to come get him for that i don't think you are <laughs> okay voltaire died on 30th of may 1778 <gasps> voltaire so... can't even defend himself yeah. When so, was the terror? I have my notebook. I also have Google. Um, no. How dare you? Don't you want to listen on. to this? Come on, me. Of my... I think I lost my moment. Oh, wait. For some reason I've... Oh, yeah, okay. 1793 to 94. Excellent. Good <laughs> Secondary job. Secondary research is TV. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting for duty. <laughs> Um, so not the right era. I mean, they were probably alive to see... You have the timeline, right, of, like, how old all of the characters were? Okay, okay, I've got it. Um, Uh Oh, my God. So um, there's a really, really cool um, uh, person called... uh, I think this is the right blog. Uh, Akalabeth Joy. A K A L 
l-a-b-e-t-h-j-o-i-e.tumblr.com, who makes, uh, who made a post called The Extremely Detailed Brick Minutia. And um, this timeline has Bishop Muriel was born in 1739, between October and early 1740. So he's somewhere between October to January. And uh, Lucas Bridgelmont was born in 1740. So there's like uh, a couple of months between their births. <gasps> which also means that they would have been alive when... Voltaire was up and coming and probably was uh, a similar sort of age to Voltaire, right? Well, it does say that when he was 16, uh, Monsieur Guillemont, um, mm. he it was being given the eye by two famous beauties in their prime who were celebrated by Voltaire um, and some other wow. guys. So they're all contemporaries. Yeah. And I guess... Yeah. Voltaire just like I feel like the implication is that he's miserable and was to be for Hugo to be like he was dying all his life compared to this guy who's so much fun and living Mm. life Mm. so Voltaire shows up in the play they're all bros but they have the falling out (laughs) over the over the women yeah Um, yeah but actually very quickly uh Guillemont. I was like, don't even worry about it. I'll go for this unnamed dancer instead. I guess we're the mm. same age, so that makes sense for me to do. Um, <laughs> so he cares more about his bros than uh, well-known beauties. You can hey. have them, Voltaire. Don't worry about it. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two main places where I remember Voltaire coming up. It was that first one there. I was like, oh my god, like, really characterize your character and just, like, decimate Voltaire in one yeah. go. <laughs> I am glad that our um, our drama can be historically accurate Voltaire-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing nothing about him, but... <laughs> like, the more Voltaire comes up the more I both do want to know everything about Voltaire and also I want to know nothing. I want (laughs) to continue to be this strange jigsaw of like, he just, Voltaire comes up in almost every context in this Mm. book. Where it'll be Mm. like, wow, this like grandiose thing said by Voltaire. (laughs) It's not like he's like been dying all his life like Voltaire. This beautiful (laughs) woman who like Voltaire was into. So like, you still uh, at it, Voltaire. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I wonder who the like, uh, modern day equivalent of of Voltaire, because like in my head I was like, is it like um, uh, what's her face, Jenna, Kylie Jenner? Who's the main one? Who's the girl? <laughs> um, uh, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, Kim Kardashian. Like, is it like in two hundred years when they're reading any book and it's like, who is this Kim Kardashian that everyone is talking about? <laughs> or like, um. Yeah, I don't know. Or is it someone like, um, I don't know, Karl Marx? But then I guess Karl Marx is like similar time period, so not really. Um, mm. But yeah, I do enjoy not knowing anything about Voltaire because I'm like, I only know what Victor Hugo tells me about Voltaire. <laughs> and I just don't understand what Victor Hugo is telling me about Voltaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must be that, like, when, Vol- when we first both clocked Voltaire, we must assume he came up beforehand and I just wasn't like dragging him out into the light every time um, <laughs> that we were both like there's, we both know at some point for some reason we've studied Voltaire but can't remember in what context like was it mm-hmm. his work what, was he just like when you're learning the flavour of the time period that you're studying at uni like I feel like Voltaire is unavoidable and yet I love that both of our, our memories are <laughs> are what they are so we're like i know that i've met voltaire couldn't tell yeah. you single thing not one <laughs> yeah okay let's do a dummies guide for voltaire <laughs> okay that's for the next uh... episode but yeah he is absolutely showing up in this play but yeah so on when it comes to like the french revolution guillaume is just like they're a bunch of scoundrels 
Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to the terror, he's like, oh, it took so much wit and jollity mm. to avoid having my head cut off. Um, but if you talk about the uh, the Republic and his presence, he'll like almost faint in anger. So you're like, oh, <laughs> is the uh, ha 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 a front, I suppose. Um, mm. Well, yeah, they're both monarchists as well. Both, I mean, as in Jumanand and Miriam. Oh, yeah. Foils! <laughs> Foils as far as the eye can see. Um, yeah, just some more things about the man. Uh, when he's upset, he turns that into anger, which is a mood. Being in despair made him furious. Um, yeah, sorry, that then goes straight into the line of like his public persona being like, I'm a ladies' man still, or I can pass for one, which he calls having royal status. Oh my god. They're like, what? Hugo (laughs) being himself on main. Oh, yeah, here's the thing. Benevolent, bluff, charitable. Um, And had he been rich, his natural bent would have been princely open-handedness. He Hmm. wanted, but then he wanted everything that involved him to be done in style. Um, (laughs) But yeah, what you were saying earlier, that he's like, it's not about me being good. It's like, if I'm going to give to charity, I'm going to give to charity. Like Um, the donors list, his name is going to be on the top, right? Like that's why he's giving money so that he can (laughs) beat everyone else at giving people money. At everything. Yeah. Hmm. It's just about the drama that he's like, if you're going to swindle me, you better do it well like i want it to be big and like at one point someone was like trying to trick him crudely and blatantly cheat him out of an inheritance and he's like this is indecent i'm ashamed of such fiddles Uh, this is no way to rob a man of my standing i've been robbed like a babe in the woods in a shabby way (laughs) (laughs) but like it's like lines like that that you're like are very endearing (laughs) Whereas, yeah, like, I feel like he would enjoy like going to an auction or something and like you know um, being robbed out his, out of his jewels at a, a, a jewelry bid or something like that. Yeah, like, he would love for someone like Asan Lupan to like rob him. Like that would be his goal. Yeah, he just wants it to be big. He wants it to be like a proper moment. Like don't. Mm. quietly steal from my pocket like hold me at gunpoint do it you coward yeah Yeah. (laughs) put me in mortal peril you coward I need it I need to get off like this yeah I need to feel something (laughs) Um, as we've said twice married uh, and then we get like little bits about his daughters so as we've said the older one who was unmarried and she sort of survives her younger sister um and now looks after his accounts uh, and lives with him when she was young her dream was um to have like a splendidly stupid husband um a big fat army supplier with a million francs um but like yeah the wanting a stupid ha- husband of like a certain like I, it sounds like sort of like middling stand standing and um, mm. like oh we'll go to some official balls um and i'll be known as like madame la prefette and that's like that's what the extent of her imagination was whereas the younger sister was who had a delightful soul was attracted to flowers and poetry and she was like in her imagination marry some vague heroic figure which she does achieve but then she dies at 30 um mm. That was the line, Hugo. There is no heaven on earth in our lifetime. The younger wedded the man of her dreams, but she died. The elder did not marry at all. <laughs> We're like, wow, no heaven on earth. <laughs> I like that line. It is interesting. That line reminds me of something I read on Tumblr the other day, and I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes, but that this is a Christian novel, and that Oh, I know what it was. I know where it was from. It was, um, it's a book by Sarah uh, Whitfield, um, and it is called something like uh, Les, Mis, Les Miserables by Bulbo and Schoenberg, and it's basically a short book about um, the musical fandom. And she makes a very 
uh, interesting argument, which is that in ending the novel with, not the novel, the musical with, um, like, it's a very confusing ending because you're supposed to be like, oh, revolution is good, but also all of the revolutionaries die Mm. and that they don't get a reward, like, they are martyrs. But that that's a very, like, mm, non-religious way to look at it. And the way that Hugo intends it is that they get their reward, which is in heaven, um, mm. which is one of the lyrics as well. And, yeah, that is something that I hadn't considered before, was that they're, like, we do see they get success from a Christian standpoint, is that when they die, they go to heaven because there is no reward in life. There is only a reward in heaven. So, uh Yeah. I can't remember what <laughs> who just said that. Um, oh, Victor Hugo about Maris's mother, that it is um, a very... I, I do think that is what Hugo believes, that there mm. is no heaven on earth, but um, that the only goal is when you die to be able to get into heaven. Yeah, the full line, uh, paragraph, sorry. No ambition is ever fully realised, here below at least. There is no heaven on earth in our lifetime. Mm. You're like, woof. Yeah, I do forget that Christians do believe <laughs> that. Um, and, like, you know, that's fine if that is what you believe. I'm sorry, I sound so dismissive when I say that, but um, I do forget that that is something that people believe. And it's yeah. very interesting to me as a belief that it's like, that is your reward, I guess. Yeah. Um, Which is like, for, for, he's like Mm. living his best life down here Mm. but then he is also like on a technicality (laughs) he's like you know if he's so giving and etc depending on Mm. like how you what type of christian and like how you see your deeds Mm. he could be like getting in to heaven on on that technicality I, i feel like that actually came up at some point um in this book, in this yeah, in this book. But that's also the technicality that um, Bishop Muriel would absolutely hate. Yes, yeah. Where it's like, how very Catholic of you. Yeah, sir. yeah. Some uh, last minute repenting and flying your <laughs> way. Okay, but then like, if that that money could be doing good. But yeah, it's all like it's whether or not you find the intentions important, mm, or if mm. it's your deed and not the intention which like we can't uh we can't argue for for christianity everyone thinks something different Mm. um Mm. but yeah interesting hugo Mm. that feels like the good natural end and like i have got been going around a lot on these bits but i have missed out no, maybe the more natural end is to do it this way. So then Hugo, you know, we've had a lot of thoughts. Hugo's like, so anyway, <laughs> this older daughter, the surviving one, yeah, is such a prude. Of course. And she's, in terms of priggishness, says Hugo, the mm. elder Mademoiselle Guillaume would have needed no lessons from an English governess. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that she wears so many clasps on her and pins on her outfit to like, so there's no way of getting in there. The peculiarity of prudery is to increase the guard in inverse proportion to the threat to the fortress. Mm-hmm. So Hugo's like, she's such a prude, and like, look at her putting all these layers on. It's not like anyone even wants to get in there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> That Hugo, um, off he goes again with his, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it does kind of, like, you know, I was saying earlier about whether whether Gilles like, misogyny is supposed to be, like, a <laughs> look at this older generation, but then he says bullshit like this, and it's like, no, no, he's probably, like, we're probably, probably supposed to find Gilles like, misogyny, like, oh, <laughs> so witty. Yeah, because this... This goes on for some paragraphs. Like, <laughs> this is the most description we get of, like, anyone in this man's life. And it's like, mm-hmm. how many are we talking about prudishness? One, two, three. Kind of four paragraphs. Which doesn't sound mm-hmm. like many, but when it's, like, the daughter who was like, oh, so delightful, da 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 She's dead anyway. 
gets like one in like half a line yeah. um and like the wife's like kind of in that long paragraph about money but really it's about the money um yeah he's like talking about he just has a lot of thoughts on uh being a prude um i prudery, wonder why <laughs> prudery is half virtue half vice uh-huh to prudery, she added bigotry, the perfect compliment. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like there's more, but n- I feel like we need to say no more on the on that. Yeah. And that those little opinions. But don't worry, don't worry. With that, because she's lived so long, um, 50, uh, age has actually smoothed out her sharp edges. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And which is like... Relatively good, says Hugo. She was mm. sad with an obscure sadness whose secret she herself did not know. Well, <laughs> now that she's old enough that she can't be fucked by anyone, because obviously uh, at age 50, women die, um, or at least cease to become relevant, uh, she can be a softer, older woman now. She can now be a portress. She could be, uh, well, she is an aunt. Um yeah, she's just not uh, a fuck thing anymore. So um, <laughs> she can be smoothed out. So we don't mind her being a prude. I wouldn't want yeah. to fuck her anyway, says Hugo. <laughs> 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 um, one could infer. <laughs> <laughs> um, every time I think about um, that quote from Andrew Davies, the like, um, <laughs> oh, I was going to allow Javert to um, allow it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Clean out the pipes. The pipes, yeah. <sighs> yep. Anyway, we draw to the clothes uh, with the knowledge that she is an old maid, mm. but he's an old man. Um, mm. In this house was also a child, a little boy, trembling and silent in Monsieur Guillemot's presence. So it was like up to this point, like we've had such a like varied portrait of this guy mm-hmm. and it's like been colorful but yeah like colorful in a way that is like yeah there's like a lot of life here for better and for worse mm-hmm. so then when he's like he only speaks to this child in a stern voice um and sometimes with his cane raised i was like oh mm-hmm. like this is where it's in this like final like two lines um that it was like suddenly getting the picture closer to the image I had from the TV series and like what I vaguely can recall from the film mm. where I felt very quickly like shoved into that, if that makes sense. Like mm. the tone of this character chip felt very different. Mm. It is interesting. And uh, like, you know, we will definitely talk about this more, but it was interesting the like, um, you know, uh, shaking, in the corner, shaking silent in the corner or whatever was the line um, that is very Cosette-like. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, they definitely, as well as being parallel with Bishop Muriel, obviously, the kind of idea that it's not innately the evil poor people who are child abusers um, mm. and that uh, this rich old bastard man is also... Like, as comedic as he is being, maybe that's the thing that I'm trying to get at, is that, like, you know, we've been very anti-comedy with the Tenardiers being child abusers, but it actually kind of works with this one a little more in the kind of, like, oh, he's just a funny old man. No, he's, like, he is also doing child abuse in his way as well, and I think, like, it is not easier to ignore, but, like, easier to be made to ignore. As in, like, rich people have so much money that they make their child abuse go away. Um, yeah. Behind the geniality of, like, oh, but he's just a funny old man kind of thing. Um, yeah. It would be interesting to, like, follow this, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, it goes from, like, that, and then it's, like, he idolised him. That mm. I was, like, does... Is it the man, the, the boy, whoever this boy is, idolises his granddad or is he saying the granddad idolizes him Mm. then it's like this was his grandson we shall return to this child Mm. that's interesting yeah from that it seems like 
Junomant idolized the boy, but then you would say something more like he adored him rather than he idolized him. Idolized yeah. sounds like it's coming from Marius's direction to Junomant. Junomant only ever spoke to him in a stern voice and sometimes with his cane raised and like it's like, here's some of the things he shouts. Uh, like, come here, come closer, what have you to say for yourself? Let me look at you, little devil, and so on. He idolized him. They're like, yeah, it doesn't feel clear who idolizes. Yeah, I think that is Jomand uh, idolizing the boy. Because uh, the amount of that direction it's going in. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, uh, interesting. But the little boy trembles. <laughs> yeah. I think their relationship is a, a very interesting one in, in the same way that it's like, ooh, meat on these bones, like something mm-hmm. that is non like standard, I guess. And like, yeah, how it ends up. Well, that's we have, it seems implied all that to look forward to in book three, Grandfather and Grandson. We finished a book. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> We're back, baby. I know this was like for listeners. This is all just happening as it <laughs> should have been happening from the beginning. But uh, I made Nima wait so long to record again that I'm like, "Woo, we're back in the driver's seat. It's been months." <laughs> wow, well, because I thought I forgot that it would go into like baby um, mm. Marius. When I was like, okay, right, can't put it off. Here we go, Marius. Because it wasn't adult Marius with his quivering lip. Like, that's, I just picture him always with a lip quivering. It was like, oh, what's all this then? So it was almost like, oh, we're being eased back into this book. We get a a nice little old man as a treat. (laughs) Some kind of old man as a treat. Yeah. We'll shape him to our whims. I am going to say I doubt that there are any Jumont and Bishop Muriel fanfics, but I hope uh, as soon as this this episode comes out, then there has to be like at least one. Come on, Just the, do it please, first. listeners, I'm begging you for some food. <laughs> okay, and on that note, um, this has been Fred and Barricades, a layman's podcast produced by Nemo Mark. Produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. Talk about myself in the third person there. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her Bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com, or on her website, jdwasabi.com. If you would like to fund us to... Uh, what did we say at the beginning? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> See Big Titty Maria. <laughs> um... You can donate to our Kofi, or you can uh, donate to our Patreon. Make sure if you do want that big titty comic, you uh, <laughs> uh, say so in uh, your comment. And if you do, send us an email to our email address, lamerspodcast at gmail.com, L-E-S-M-A-S, or on our Twitter, lamerspodcast, or on our Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. If you like this podcast... <laughs> especially Big Titty and uh, his lover, Jean-Lamont, then you can uh, give us a five-star review <laughs> on iTunes. And make sure you do specifically mention the fact that you uh, are giving this podcast five stars because of the uh, jean Muriel fan fiction of your dreams. Um, and... Um, I think that's everything so thank you for listening to this podcast this five star podcast <laughs> big titty and the funny old stick <laughs> there it is you got there in the end we love it thanks thanks <laughs>